Support for this episode comes from Swipe Guide. Wouldn't it be great if everyone on your production line knew exactly what to do and when they needed to do it? And wouldn't it be better yet if your workforce could actively help you improve this knowledge? As Europe's number one workplace excellence platform, Swipe Guide helps you digitize and crowdsource crucial operational knowledge and turn it into intuitive digital work instructions and standard operating procedures. Your operators will be safer, more efficient, and complete their work with fewer mistakes. Swipe Guide currently helps companies like Heineken, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Chivas Brothers, Barilla, and many more improve manufacturing processes to reduce errors and downtime. Sound interesting? Go to www.swipeguide.com forward slash demo to learn more. Adelaide? Okay. Wellington? Why not? Oregon? Of course. And Buenos Aires? Be rude not to. When starting a new business, putting in the groundwork and conducting comprehensive research is all important. In beer, this is no different. So when Lucy and Mike Clayton-Jones decided they wanted to open a brewery of their own, they knew the best way of gaining inspiration was to see what the world had to offer. And nobody can accuse them of being anything other than thorough. In addition to other revered destinations, as diverse as Bamberg and California, to Copenhagen and Singapore, the would-be brewery founders took in some 85,000 miles, and with it, a plethora of unforgettable breweries, distilleries, wineries, vineyards, maltsters and hop farms, to name a few. And some five years on, the duo have not only started a brewery of their own in Double Barreled, but it's one that has just celebrated its third birthday too. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan. And I'm Ross McPherson. What happens when you combine a couple that have a love for travel, a passion for brewing excellent beers, and also the desire to create an inclusive brewery that boasts a taproom loved by locals and visitors alike. Reading's own double-barrelled, of course. Having just celebrated that important third birthday and being nominated for New Brewery of the Year at our own Brewer's Choice Awards and also with a capacity expansion under their belt already in 2022, the brewery is looking only one way, and that's forward. And these are achievements that any brewery should be proud of. Really looking back on, on three years of an overindulged hobby um, is is quite odd to see how, how what scale we've got to and throwing an event like our third birthday party and looking around, seeing how many people have come down who have supported us from the early days. And that, that was, I think, the point this year at which things were, in my mind at least, like really positive and that sort of warm, fuzzy feeling of achievement. Um, over a period of time because yeah a lot of businesses don't make it to three years and certainly a lot of businesses won't have made it to three years within the, the climate that we've faced in the last two so no it, it is a big deal and we are celebrating it and it is I think I think for us we kind of you know we when we look back on kind of our our business plan of where we thought we might be today you know it's it's amazing that we've kind of you like you sort of put these things together and go 
you know, it would be nice, maybe. I have no idea kind of how we're really going to get there. And it feels like you're kind of pulling numbers out of air. But we, we're, we've we sort of fought through this period of time. And yeah, it's a bit, a bit surreal. Definitely not everything on that business plan was right, though. The double-barreled story began in 2014. With Mike, a passionate home brewer, the idea of brewing a beer as a wedding favour for their big day made complete sense. And with that, their first beer was born. But the brewery's name came to be much earlier. That was, um, my, my parents decided to create the, the Clayton Jones moniker. And then uh, when I was quite young, also decided to separate, um, leaving me as an only child and the only person with this surname in my family. And the connotations of having a double barrel surname and being a bit posh um, were, were the things that really were just like, oh, I don't really like this. I don't feel like that's part of my identity at all. So, But Lucy didn't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> and what was a fitting surname became a fitting brewery name. Realistically, when we called ourselves that, we never planned to be where we are today because what what prompted that was brewing a beer as a, a wedding favour for, for our wedding. And, you know, we kind of, it was a bit of a joke and <laughs> we called ourselves Double Barrel Brewery and our beer was called Ginger Bearded because I'm ginger and Mike's bearded. You know, it was very, <laughs> it, was, it was very homebrew. Um, and, but we kind of loved working together and, and doing, creating something together and that, that just sort of then really sparked off this idea when we were, you know, post-wedding going back into our very normal corporate jobs going, actually, how do how do we make this a thing? Is this something we can do? And then kind of one step led to another and then we were brewing in our garage and then started to launch commercially from our garage. And then, yeah, now here we, here we are in a 6,000 square foot, warehouse going, what on earth did we do that for? <laughs> Returning from their honeymoon, the duo registered the brewery's name on Company's house. But realising they were lacking any real industry experience, they set off travelling to learn from the great and the good of breweries and other drinks producers across the globe. The duo visited no less than 29 countries during their travels, taking in breweries as varied as Pirate Life and Free Floyd's, to stone brewing and toppling Goliath. And when they were due to return home in July 2017, they were already well and truly bitten by the brewing bug. So if you look, if you look, we are, we got back, when we got back from honeymoon, I registered the name on company's house. <laughs> I was like, right, this is it. It's, if, if it's gonna make, be official, we'll put it in a company's house. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, and then we went traveling because we realized we didn't have any industry experience whatsoever and we were we were both working sort of corporate roles that we weren't finding particularly fulfilling uh, we had some difficult life experiences that sort of changed perspectives on you know do what you love rather than that sort of work to live rather than live to work mentality of the corporate side of life and then um, realising that beer was obviously of interest uh, but not having any real industry experience or knowledge 
And so that was the, the basis of the, the justification behind the trip was we're going to go and gather some knowledge. Rather than going to get a job in the industry, we thought we'd go and travel. <laughs> Um, which was excellent, would wholeheartedly recommend it if anyone were looking at that as an option to go and travel. It is life-altering. Life but we got back from traveling in July 2017, having decided about a month before we got back that we knew we wanted to open a brewery um, and had ordered our 100-litre kit that was going to be based in our garage and started prepping for... You know, HMRC approvals and all this sort of stuff for our domestic garage. And with that in place, the duo knew they wanted to launch properly at a decent-sized event. With craft beer rising in London being welcoming to new breweries, that's the route they took. We decided that we had to launch properly at an event and chose craft beer rising to do that because at the time that there were limited options for new breweries with no name and no experience to be able to be invited and, and present yourself to such a huge number of people. I think it's 12,000 people at the time went through that festival over a weekend. So we, we pitched up at that with four beers because of the size of our kit and the quantity of beer that they told us to bring to that event. We had to start brewing for... The event was in February. We had to start brewing for that in... Uh, late August the previous year <laughs> um, and we pitched up with a raspberry and beetroot gozer, a milk stout, an imperial stout and um, an India pale lager because we wanted to sort of not go down the, the typical route of well pale IPA, double IPA, throw some hops in, you know that sort of thing and, and trying to stand out a little bit. So that was yeah February 2018. And Lucy is glad with the approach they took. And I think it did work as a, as a concept, you know, because it's quite a busy festival. We did find that people then ended up, you know, talking certainly about the beer with beetroot in it. And that it sort of, I mean, it was all very easy to do that range of beers when we were, we had no overheads we had other jobs you know that it wasn't the thing that was going to financially support us and as we've we've grown our team's grown as well so we've brought on people that have got greater expertise in brewing pails ipas lagers and yeah that's really helped us grow where today but i think where we want to get to is ultimately that you know we can have this great range of beers that if we are if we want to turn our Head, I don't, can't think of the right way of putting it. If we want to turn our key, what's the phrase? Turn our hand. Turn our hand, thank you. Not yeah. our head. <laughs> if we want to turn our hand at sort of any style of beer that people would trust that we would do it well. And whilst we still brew stuff that actually we do want to drink, I think the longer term plan is to get to the point where, you know, we can kind of go back to that love of imperial stouts and silly sours and not have to make every decision which we are doing at the moment kind of does this commercially work does this you know unfortunately because of the last couple of years we really do have to look at that um but certainly we are getting a lot of love for our um our sours and our stouts and also yeah our pails and ipas have definitely improved over the last couple of years so it's been a a style journey um, across across the years that we've been 
we've been going. But yeah, I think you, you're right. We probably have quite a lot of sort of key area. But yeah, that's not to say that we wouldn't ever turn our hand at doing something else. <laughs> In the three years that have followed, the brewery has produced countless beers across the style gamut, frequently leaning on sours, pales and stouts. Core beers such as its Pale Ale Parker and its Keller Lager Ding are house favourites, both to drink and to produce, and ones they strive to improve in each and every batch. We put a lot of stock into continuous improvement, specifically with our core beer range. Um, Parker, for example, is something that we've been brewing since we started, so three years, and the, the journey that beer's gone on from then to now and the amount of changes it's gone through and continues to go through as we sort of learn more and more about how best to get the, the most out of our ingredients and what process improvements we can make and what tweaks and all this sort of thing. But so, so that's the, the beauty of having a core beer is being able to you know make one change each brew and seeing how that impacts. But then we can also translate that into our one-off releases because we're learning every we're learning new every every time we brew that core range. Then we can put slightly bigger changes into our one-off brews, and then go, oh well, that worked really well here. So maybe we can bring that one round into another change that can go back through the core range. So it allows us that, as I say, continuous improvement mentality. And and at some point, like in the last three months, we we were out in in a pub and went off. Oh, these ding pints don't seem to have particularly great head retention on them. What wonder what's doing that? And then not noticed it a couple of times in the tap room as well. And it's like, all right, well, let's start to revisit what we could do to improve that. And we're now on a little bit of a journey with ding as well to to get that back up to a level where we're happy with it. While events such as craft beer rising played an important role in the formative stages of double barreled, so has the support from pubs and bars that put faith in those beers early on. The Hop Locker, located on London's South Bank, was a spot that Lucy and Mike would visit as beer fans. But its founders, Joel and Laura, have stocked the brewery's beers from early on, as have the Fox and Hounds in Caversham. Somewhere like the Hop Locker, you know, they were someone where, when we were in our garage, we had been drinking at the Hop Locker and... There's a prior to that and um, had like sort of, we think we met Andy Parker at the Hop Locker from Elusive and lots of beer people actually there. And, you know, the Hop Locker and I think I think the Fox and Hounds in Caversham, which is our local pub, you know, they were some of the accounts that took a punt on us when we were in our garage and nobody knew knew us. And for, for someone, you know, for those businesses where, you know, actually the rate of sale really matters to them, the support from people like that is is what makes your business. It's it's what keeps you going. To this day, both of those people are some of our biggest customers, and that's amazing. And um, especially when we know and we can recognise, you know, our beers were were not tasting, you know, as as where we might have wanted them when we were in the garage. But hopefully, we can kind of come out of this and go, look, thank you for your support throughout this time, and and look where you've helped us get to, and you know, re repay the favour over time. I don't know how really, but <laughs> it's a nice idea. Fermentis is an expert in the art of fermentation. Fermentis works and supports all breweries in order to make the best beer together. 
Fermentis offers many fermentation solutions to fit all of your needs. Active dry yeasts, bacterias, fermentation aids, functional products. If you have a fermentation issue, Fermentis obviously has the solution. That's why Fermentis is the obvious choice for beverage fermentation. To find out more about Fermentis, check out their website www.fermentis.com or download the Fermentis app available for Android and iOS. That's Fermentis spelt F-E-R-M-E-N-T-I-S. While venues such as the Hot Locker and the Fox and Hounds have been invaluable allies since the early days, Double Barrel's beers can now be enjoyed far and wide. But, unsurprisingly, there's few better spots to imbibe than their taproom, a facet of the brewery's identity that is a particular point of pride for the duo. Located some 10 minutes out of Reading Town Centre, Lucy says that they're fully aware Double Barrel is not part of something like the famed Bermondsey Beer Mile in London. But also, that doesn't mean that it can't be a destination venue either. I mean, we, we sort of, as you sort of touched upon, we, we've done a bit, you know, sort of travel and, and research prior to starting and we were kind of heavily, heavily influenced by the kind of American um, taproom uh, model. I suppose for us, you know, like as when we were, you know, sort of drinking beer in our, our 20s in Reading, you know, we were we were having to go up to London to experience these things. And then we, when we wanted to create something, there were certain key factors that we wanted to include. And uh, one of those was uh, seats with backs. <laughs> um, and we also wanted to have a broader range of, um, a broader selection than maybe we offered. So, you know, despite the fact that we don't brew it, we have kind of guest gluten-free, guest alcohol-free beers. And we also have a small selection of independent wines and spirits just to just to allow people if they're coming down with a group to sort of stay and at where we are in Reading we're about sort of 10 minutes out of the town centre so and at the time we were the kind of the only sort of thing like this in Reading so if people were going to come here we you know we're not we're not the Bermondsey BMR there's not a great pub crawl to to do after it people would sort of need to stay and that people did stay people are here for hours and you know that's great and we get such a a wide range of our local community people bring their children down their dogs down but also you know they bring their like grandma <laughs> and like you know that's that's really cool and well so say say sounding completely uncool in saying that um but you know for me it's like yeah that's what we wanted to 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 create and it's um it's we represent i think what the the sort of local community that surround us and that's yeah really really important and that sense of inclusivity is of utmost importance to Double Barreled. Having enjoyed and experienced a wealth of drinking establishments across the globe, they knew that creating somewhere that people felt welcomed was imperative. Beer is one of these fantastic products that is for everybody. And we've kind of got a, a bit of a mantra that there's a beer for beer for everyone across all the varying different styles. You know, you get so many people who are immediately put off by the, the concept of beer because they had something they didn't like previously but we always want to change opinions and having beer for everyone creating an environment for everyone it it's a lot more of a bigger picture than I than I suppose kind of being 
very focused on beer. I think we're, we're part of our attitude is to get more and more people into beer as a whole um, and passionate about beer as a whole and buying independent beer than kind of just just remembering, I suppose, that you you need to not be completely in your bubble of beer, I suppose, is probably a, a way of thinking about it in a tense, in the sense of just like using language. And actually, um, Ruth talked about it a little bit at Brewers Congress. She talked about, you know, that use of language and how you do that to actually attract more people within to the, the, the category as a whole, rather than keeping it within the beer community. So I think that's translated in everything that we do as well and in terms of the taproom environment we've created and um, the sort of events that we, we hold. The demand for the Reading Brewery's beers led it to undertake a fermentation expansion programme at the start of the year. It now brews into six 50 hectolitre FVs and four 24 hectolitre FVs, which also gives the team room to grow further when, not if, needed. So if you can't make it to their taproom, expect to see beers such as Parker, Ding and others in more pubs, bars and bottle shops in 2022 and beyond. We were finding ourselves selling out of Parker and Ding and we thought to ourselves, well, we're selling out of our core beers within a pandemic when pubs aren't fully open, then then I think we need to kind of press on and do something um, about that. So we decided to use the government bounce back loan to to bounce back and get some tanks. Um, that was a great idea because uh, <laughs> um, it, it it was a great idea actually because we filled them the whole time. Um, and but it just you know sometimes when it's when it's been a little bit stressful on the money, I've wondered why why on earth we did that. Um, but now we are doubling capacity again, so we will be we will have um, six fifty two heck. FEs and for 24 heck FEs. So, you know, that's that's to help cater for some upcoming really exciting opportunities that we've had and also just to to be able to to grow and to focus a bit more on those and to um allow us to do to to, to cater for, for more kind of permanent lines and things that we've we've had to turn down currently. So I think you know, in in the sort of environment that we've been in, and and as you've sort of said, what we've been dealing with, that yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. And I, I think for Mike and I, there is this surrealness. And you asked, you know, did you, what gave you the confidence to do it? I mean, I've I've got no idea to be honest. Like, I think we look back and go, like, how on earth, <laughs> like, how on earth did we have the the confidence to start? Um, and do this uh when i now look back and go like wow you know we were two people that you know didn't have like years of brewing under our belt or you know previous business experience we were just sort of like two passionate people (laughs) i feel like the little engine that could sometimes but (laughs) the brewers journal podcast is a production of reby media Produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. And me, Ross McPherson. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision is by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And a special thank you to Lucy and Mike Clayton-Jones at Double Barreled Brewery. (laughs) 